Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. He's at his cross-country thing. I did this for him. Well, he'll be all right. <laughs> so much work. That took a lot of work. <laughs> We are live. Dale's paying tribute to Alex, who hopefully will get on later That's on. That's your tribute since he's not here, Dale. <laughs> I started well, to ask. Everybody's good. It's time for episode talking preps. Let's get to it. All right, let's go to the rundown. Dale, what do you think was the difference between Chambers and Huff on Friday night? Well, maybe it's not just Friday night, but I think both programs have similar types of kids, uh, both athletically and uh, discipline, et cetera, wise. Uh, you know, when you, you look at a program, you got to look at two things. There's coaches and kids. And uh, the better the coaching staff, the better they can bring kids up. But you can only bring kids up to some level. And then you have to have better kids to, to excel up to the next level. Um, I, I, I think uh, just from what, uh, what we're seeing that uh, maybe the coaching staff is a little more jailed at Huff. Not saying they're better coaches, but that chemistry uh, of making a team come together might be uh, just slightly uh, better because I think from a player perspective, they're fairly even. Okay. Um, how, much, how much improvement can Huff have in the game? If you were watching the game like Gary, you were watching the game, correct? No, it wasn't on, in a, uh, on the network, so you had to be there. I got you. Uh, but from what I understand, uh, just from talking to, to several people, that the difference came down to uh, special teams, which happened last year in the first game, and penalties, which happened last year in the first game. And, and if you remember last week, I said if Foot Locker got involved, if fans <laughs> had over, I mean, if Chambers had over 100 yards and penalties, they were going to lose. And Grice also said special teams. They had some special teams issues as well. So, yeah, those are things are going to definitely have to clean up. Chris, what are your thoughts here? Well, you're right, Gary. Foot Locker got involved in, in special teams as well. I really think it comes down to those special teams plays of the couple uh, miscues, the pump blocks, so on and so forth. But but Chambers really uh, – but Huff really wasn't able to capitalize. You know, they had the one pump block and then turned the ball over on the very next play. Uh, but really, I just felt it came down to execution. I mean, I thought that Huff executed very well. I thought they played about as good a ball game as one could play. I still think the talent on both sides was incredible. And, and I still come away from this game thinking these are the two best teams. Uh, but – Kind of a little bit of a combination of what all the other guys said, a little bit of coaching, uh, a little bit of athleticism from one team to the other, mistakes, execution. It, it just kind of kind of came all together 
uh, to, to give the cumulative result, but it, it was a heck of a ball game. I mean, I came away thoroughly entertained. Uh, you could tell these were two incredible teams. Both of them played with a lot of passion. They both played as hard as they could down the stretch. I mean, I could just see a lot of guys laying it out there, really giving all they could to win. And and you got to walk away, even as a coach of a game like that, uh, happy with the performance and the effort that your players put forth. All right. Um, Gary, is NC State as good as they look, or is Clemson in real trouble? It's hard to say with NC State because they've always had a history of knocking off the top team in the ACC by every three years or so. Uh, when Florida State was was in their heyday, State used to be the one to get them. And now it's, um, it's Clemson. The thing that's always happened with State is they never build on it. You, you know, they have that, that great win, and then they have a letdown the next game or game after. So um, I think they have the potential to do that, but, you know, they're going to have to put a get together back-to-back wins after a big game uh, before I, I truly believe in NC State. But they played an awesome game on Saturday. All right, Sam, we're going to come back to you later on the show. Just hold that thought. We'll come back to you later. Guys, are the Patriots one and two if Cam Newton is a starting quarterback? Absolutely not. I mean, I think there's a situation, and I think Bill Belichick knew that. I think it's one where he wanted to grow with a, a young rookie quarterback, and for better or for worse, you know, they are where they are in the short term. Bill's betting on the long term here and that Mac Jones will continue to grow and develop and become that quarterback of the future. So I think he's sacrificing some short-term success for a long-term uh, hopeful success there in that same situation. Gary, your thoughts here? Exactly like Grice said. He's, he's sacrificing the short term for the long term. Um, I think by the end of the season, uh, Mac Jones will be better for it. Um, Cam was only going to be a short-term answer anyway, so so Belichick went on and bit the bullet. It's it's the, it's the same thing the Tar Heels need to do now. <laughs> Quit worrying about the short term and put them freshmen out there for the long term. Absolutely, um, Chris is Wake Forest the best team in the ACC. I don't know that they're the most talented team, uh, but the best team sometimes is the most talented, and I think they're playing the best. Uh, they've got a great cohesion of, of talent, uh, some local, some uh, from other states, uh, but I do think they're playing the best right now. That's not to say that they're going to be playing uh, in the ACC championship game uh, here in December, uh, but I think they're playing as, as well as can be expected, and, and I think that they're at least putting forth the best effort. Grace. Yes, sir. Like, so I love that you asked this question. Hey, Coach Clawson's doing what he did in the past and what we knew he was going to do when he came to Wake Forest. Wait, this is that year, though, the year Wake Forest won and beat Georgia Tech in two, I think it was 2006. Hey, this has that weird kind of kind of flavor to it, though, that same situation where the leaders were a little muddled, had their own issues, and Wake was able to sneak in there to the to the Atlantic title and get in there and win that title. Really feels like it this year. So I, I do think, hey, we're the best. We. Wow. All right, Gary, are the Panthers legit? And who wins Sunday, the Panthers or your Cowboys? Uh, the Cowboys going to win. There's no doubt <laughs> in my mind. Now, the Panthers legit, they haven't really been on the road and been tested with a good team on the road. They're going to get that test Sunday. So uh, you can ask this question next Tuesday after the Panthers lose their first game to the Cowboys. Woo. 
Wow. Okay. Um, <laughs> Dan, what do you think? I would like to think that they are. I think it's a little early. I believe if they're legit, they don't lose to the Cowboys. Um, but I don't think we got enough uh, material yet to make that kind of determination. I'm pulling for it. Would love to see them go undefeated. But uh, I just don't think we got enough uh, work uh, to tell us exactly where they're at. But uh, they'll win. They'll win this Sunday. Who who win this Sunday? Who you calling? Panthers. Panthers win this Sunday. I like that. Pick. Yes, like the Cowboys. Like that pick, Chris. UNC is it coaching <laughs> issues or a talent problem? Well, you know, here's what I say about coaching. Uh, you know, we've got several coaches that have been on here. Dale has, Sam, Gary, uh, Griner, myself. Uh, you know, I very rarely am going to dig into what coaches are doing because if you're not there at the practices every day and you're not in the meetings and you don't know the personnel like they do, it, it's hard for me to go in there and judge what the coaches are doing. But here's what I do know. Yeah, the Tar Heels are struggling. There's no denying that. But they've lost a lot of senior talent and, and – NFL draft talent from last year. Uh, just think of the running backs they lost in Javante Williams and uh, Michael Carter. And, and you replace that with Ty Chandler, who's doing good, but it's just not the same. And when now all of a sudden defenses can kind of pin their ears back and they can play the pass because they know that that's what uh, Sam is going to do, I think it's so much easier to defend this Carolina offense right now without that two-headed monster in the backfield. And, and that's kind of contributed to some of the issues we're seeing. Okay, Gary, before I get your follow-up, would you be wearing this shirt right now if you had not won last night? Of course not. <laughs> My man. How about them cowboys? <laughs> All right. Carolina, coaching issue or talent problem, Gary? Um, it's, I don't think it's a – it's definitely not a talent problem, Okay. As, as Chris said, if you're not in practice every day, you don't know what the guys are capable of. But what I will say is now that they are 500 team and probably have no chance at the ACC, when you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply championship uh it's time to lose young rather than lose old you know they get the one of the things that matt talked about is having depth this season uh because all those guys return and you had the the fifth year seniors and those guys well those fifth year seniors are not as talented as those freshmen and redshirt freshmen right okay so it's time to go ahead and let those kids play and, and, and take their lumps now so that next season you won't say, well, we're young. Go ahead and get the growing pains out of the way now because the opportunity for the ACC championship is practically over. Go ahead and start playing for next year so you won't have the excuse that we're too young when next year comes. Wow. Okay. 
Well, it's time for one of our favorite segments. We missed it last week. Uh, it's time to see what's up with 60 Seconds with Chris. All right, guys, can you believe we're already back here for uh, 60 Seconds with Chris? Uh, we're going to give away some Gurus game balls. Can you believe it's already week seven of the high school football season? Man, this season just seems to be flying by at, at a rapid, rapid pace. Uh, so here we go. Uh, let's go ahead and wind up that clock, make us a quick session of Guru's Game Balls. We're going to give away some game balls, maybe not literally, uh, but we're going to at least talk about you guys. Uh, but here we go. Let's wind up that clock. Three, two, one, and boom. Uh, quarterback Nathan Clark at Ledford High School uh, went on the road to Clinton High School. You know, they're a big time two-way powerhouse. Two-way powerhouse with 12. Clips to 1,000 yards on the season. Added 109, added 109 yards game, rushing boom. in the game. Uh, boom. Nathan, you get a game ball. Nathan, you get a game ball. Tamari Blackburn at Carver High School. We talked about Carver High School. Boy, they're getting it done this year. Tamari is now at 1,142 yards. 165 yards. And they'll win Friday night against Bishop McGinnis. Tamari, you're getting a game ball. Justice Dorsett. Justice Dorsett. Second time we've talked about this young guy, North Kind of seems to be uh, kind of one guys here. here. Undefeated, Okay, I don't know what's going on <laughs> with 60 seconds with Chris. We'll, have to, we'll fix that. We'll put it on the internet for you guys later on. I don't know what's going on with the sound on that. He, he was really cool. He had some really cool game balls. We'll, we'll get that sorted out. But Sam, we got Wynn Barley here from Marsh Park High School, fresh off kicking a game-winning field goal against Cardinal Gibbons on Friday night. When is there pressure when they call on you to go out there and win the game? Yeah, of course, but, you know, that's what I trained for. There's a lot of pressure. It's at home, uh, but it makes the celebration a lot better and sweeter. Anybody buy you lunch this week? No, no, no one bought me lunch. I brought my own. I bought myself lunch. <laughs> you got a lunch, you got a lunch pal? You got to buy the man lunch. Go ahead, son. Man, you got a lunch pail you bring with you, or you got what you what you bring into lunch? My little, my little bag, reusable bag, Paris Teeter bag. My man, that's what I'm talking about. Hey, I'm just curious. Did kids eat the school food at Myers Park? Because I deal with that on a you know, everyday basis. They're like, I don't eat the school food. I'm like, why not? Yeah, a lot of people complain about it, but I mean, so a lot of people eat it. I, I ate it up until like sophomore year, sophomore, and we were virtual then too. So really, just this year, I started packing my own stuff. Good deal, man. Well, how far was the field goal you kicked to win the game? Uh, I think it was 28, 29, around okay. then, and over top of the upright, so it looked even better on my camera. On my <laughs> oh, feet. really? It was just like it was, a, it was a no chance there. Okay. Yeah. Yeah, tell us a little bit about Marsh Park season. You guys played a really tough schedule. That was a huge win on Friday. I mean, you know, these guys are telling me that Cardinal Gibbons is definitely a state championship contender. You guys took them down. So, I mean, what does that say for you guys the rest of the season? Well, I mean, I think we built our team up a lot, a lot of chemistry. Um, Coach Fuller focuses on not making mistakes and on the special teams. I think special teams did their job, and we made less mistakes, and that, that led us to a close game that we eventually won. 
Yeah, and uh, what about uh, who you got this week coming up? Um, AK, it'll be a good game. We're ready, though. Yeah, okay. Well, you ready for Sam Griner is the question. I hope so. I'll have to see. Uh, I mean, don't try to play like like you don't know what's going on. I know you know the questions. I don't have a clue. I mean, it's the same thing. Langston, I know he's a hate. Why, why do you always study these ass? No, he's been iced, actually. No. He gives you categories. It's okay. Why do you think these kids know the questions? <laughs> you say, you say so that. It's okay. They're geared to them half the time. I got to stay on you or you'll, you'll really get me bad. So I got to, like, keep it even by criticizing a little bit. All right. When you ready? Yes, sir. All right. Brother, I'm not MJ. Just Coach Griner, but I'm the GOAT of the game show. That's a good-looking guy right there. <laughs> Definitely a good-looking guy. That's the reason why you got to take me down, man. I'm tired of hearing about the little guns and my best. In the eyebrows. I'm tired of all of it. That's all right. it. Question number one, Mr. Dale. Here we go. How do I phrase this? Uh, Wake Forest last won the ACC championship in 2006. Who did they beat in the final? A, Georgia Tech. B, North Carolina. C, Clemson. D, Florida State. All right, when you're the away team, you got to go. I don't know. Clemson's been good recently, so I'm going to have to go with Clemson. Clemson, C. Samuel, what is your answer? It's not Clemson. Um. Man, it's either Florida State or Georgia Tech for some reason. I don't know which one. Hold on, let me think. I'm gonna go with A. Georgia Tech. Georgia Tech. Georgia Tech. Georgia Tech's your answer. Final answer. Yeah. You sure? Yeah. You got it right. I swear. All right, we. Now he, he he's gonna hey, play all kinds of fours up, Gary. He's about to go four corners on you. He's about to play all these little funky games. But you, you still can make you still can make a comeback. I, I have I have faith in you. Uh Chelsea, hold on, let me get up on the screen. Let's go. All right. Who is the leading rusher in the ACC right now? A Sean Tucker, Syracuse. B Mateo Durant, Duke. C Jashawn Corbin, Florida State. D. Ty Chandler, North Carolina. Samuel. I'm going to go B. Okay, Durant from Duke. What do you got, Win? Well, since I got a win, I can't tie. I'm going to have to go with D. D, Ty Chandler. No, the answer is A, uh, Sean Tucker. Is and I wanted to go A, but I was like, there's no way you went double A's on me. Man, I should have trusted A. See, Sam, I, I, I had to play with you because I, I know you do. Like, I was like, there's no way he goes AA. I was like, I know, I know you always try to figure, figure out like these little, these little uh, patterns, these little patterns. Thank you for the word. I was, I was losing my word. Yeah, no. All right, here we go, Dan. <laughs> okay. Number one show on Netflix is about cash strap contestants playing children's games. Name it. Boy, I don't know this one. A, Squid Game, B, Awake the Million Dollar Game, C, The Challenge, D, Sugar Rush. When it's on you. I feel like it's a little obvious because it's the million dollar game, but I'm about to go with that one. B, The Million Dollar Game. Samuel. Yeah, I like B too. 
The answer is A, Squid Game. Oh, my God. You triple A in us? <laughs> that would have been my guess because of Squidward, but, you know, I don't know. Golly, that was a tough one. I've never, I've never seen it, but that is, that is the I answer. didn't know there was such a game. <laughs> so, never, game never huh? seen it. They, they have money attached to them? I'm confused. I've never, <laughs> never ever seen the show. All right, uh, Chelsea. Can we get some title town questions? No. <laughs> Which Panthers quarterback has the record for most passing yards in a season? A, Cam Newton, B, Jake DeLome, C, Steve Berlin, D, Kerry Collins. Man, this anyway. is tough. This is very tough. Um, I, I bet Mr. Cowboy in the back knows. Yeah, I, I'm going to – I'm going to go Jake DeLone, B. Jake DeLone, what you got, Win? Well, I got to change it up again. MVP, Cam Newton. Cam Newton, the answer is Jake DeLone. He threw for 44-36 in 1999. Jake was the boy. <laughs> boy, I'm putting the brakes on the boy right here. Right now. Hey, um, you got to win Friday night. Congratulations. <laughs> you get one here tonight, though. I'm going to tell you that. <laughs> It's fine. It's fine. Well, that is true, but we're gonna we're gonna do this last question anyway. Um, and, I won't. and is Dale on the question? Okay. Who is the leading scorer in UNC basketball history? A. Michael Jordan. B. Phil Ford. C. Tyler Hansborough. D. Antoine Jameson. Wins on you. Hands pro. MJ's got to be, right? Well, I'll go with Jameson. D. Jameson, all right. Providence kid. What you got, Sam? Uh, it's either B or C. I'm going to go C, Tyler Hansborough. Hey, Sam, you just won in the landslide today. Yeah. Really nothing. Tyler Hansborough. When I was counting on you, man, I knew you were going to come in here and take some. I need a Rick Flair. I know. That's what I'm saying, Gary. I need a. I just know you were, but look, man, good luck to you this guys. Me riding. <laughs> uh, you guys got a chance to you know, make a definite run in the playoffs. I mean, you know, anytime you beat Cardinal Gibbons, you know, that's a team that definitely has a chance to beat us. So good luck to you guys. Thanks for coming on the show, all right? Yeah, thanks for having me. Right, if you see case. him in person, feel free to kick. <laughs> You're a kicker, feel free to kick. You got, you got one free kick. All right. <laughs> All right, hey, man. Take care, great, man. Great having you on, man. Thank you. Appreciate it. Sam got lucky today. <laughs> Listen, the one thing you better know about me, I don't believe in luck. Purpose and opportunity to be great, baby. Purpose and opportunity to be great. Well, Chelsea, I'm hoping your video doesn't have echo issues. So we're going to be yeah. in So me and Sam got away, and you guys. All right, so this week I interviewed Olympic athlete Albert Fleming IV, who not only is he a great football player, but um, also an amazing track athlete. Um, he's someone that Dale recommended. So currently they're four and one. Um, most of their games have been out of conference, but with that one game, they're starting out strong with their in-conference play. So kind of wanted to talk to him just about, you know, how his senior year is going, um, track and football together, and, you know, how they're hoping to get some wins in. Hi, 
Hi, I'm Chelsea Sipple, and today I'm interviewing Albert Fleming IV, who is an Olympic high school athlete for their football team. So, Albert, um, currently this season, you guys are 4-1, and 1-0 in your conference play. Kind of discuss that out of conference, you know, those games, and has it prepared for you, you know, coming up in those conference games? I feel like those out of conference games kind of, like, build our playbook. Like, it shows, like, what we need to work on. Even though they're still out of conference game, we still take each, each game serious. So that shows like what we need to improve on going into conference play where it really matters. Um, to those who don't know the Olympic high school football team, uh, kind of talk about the culture and what are y'all's expectations this season? So knowing that Coach Thomas is our head coach now, he's been our, my head coach in my JV year as a freshman and sophomore year going in, going forward for my senior year. Um, Going from three and eight and him changing the whole culture and me being side by side with him, going from eight and four to six and one. Now, senior year, we're going to continue to go on with our one and know every week in the street. But just by that's our standard every week is going one and know every week and trying to build that culture up. I like that. And this is your senior year. So, kind of talk about some of your goals this season. Um, and I also know you're an awesome track athlete. So, some of your goals can be around that or academics too. So we always fight for the highest. So knowing I want to go out with the championship, that's my main focus this year. Um, bring my team up. Not really focused on more as an individual, just trying to leave my team on and come out with a good win for the whole season. For the whole season. Nice. And like I said, you guys have mostly played out of conference so far. Um, do you guys have a rivalry game or an in-conference game that you look forward to the most? Mm hmm. Knowing that they added Myers Park to our schedule this year, I know I played them my sophomore year. I had to play quarterback that game, but this year I'll be able to play my position and hopefully get to play them again. And nice. that's what I'm in. And to play a team like Myers Park, how would you guys prepare for that? Just doing our responsibilities, taking each game same way. Don't make the game bigger than what it is. Um, listen to our coaches and watch film, see what we could do, and come out with the dub. Awesome. And as an athlete, what keeps you motivated? I think the goals that I set for myself and knowing that I want to accomplish those, that motivates me just waking up, knowing like I want to be in this position. So pushing myself to get where I want to be, I think that motivates me as well as my family. Nice. And to kind of get a feel of, you know, who you are on the field, how would you describe your game style? I'm really focused. Um, I try to take play by play and if I make a mistake which happens which our coach tells us all the time I try not to let it get to us so much and I just stay in my own zone don't let anything get to my head because I feel like that can mess up a lot awesome and I kind of want to emphasize that you're an awesome dual sport athlete playing um or running track and field kind of talk about how those two sports football and track go hand in hand they both Mindset is a big thing in sports, so you can't let your mind get into you too much because that could really mess up a lot. But both sports are both mentality and just staying focused and doing what you want to do, putting your mind to where you want to be. I feel like that's where it goes hand in hand and coming out with a good outcome. Awesome. Well, best of luck this season. I look forward to seeing how y'all's games turn out. Thank you so much for joining. Thank you. Thank you. All right. Great job, Chelsea. Thank you. Another great interview. Chelsea, now, see, these interviews seem so composed, and, and these guys seem great. Like, tell us, are there some funny, like, outtakes that you get where a guy will start oh, yeah. and, like, 
bust out laughing or like his mom will come in the door asking what's going on. Do you get some of that? Yeah, um, that interview last week with Drew Tainter, that probably took like two takes. I've known him since eighth grade and um, gotcha. that took a few tries, but we finally got it done. How is that, especially interviewing someone you've known for so long? And I mean, you know, known each other kind of in, in a different sense. And now, you know, you're Chelsea. Like, you know, how is that? And you kind of get some hurdles with that now, you you know, because of your status and all the great things you're doing? Yeah. Um, at school, you know, the whole football team watched that, made some jokes about um, who he mentioned as some of the other players in the interview. Um, and then just some kids in Raleigh have been reaching out too. You know, they see those local interviews and they want to get featured. That's awesome. So, you know, kind of in line with that, how can tell people how they can reach out to you? Because, again, I, if I'm if I'm an athlete, I would definitely want to get featured by you and get one of these interviews. Yeah. So my Twitter is at Chelsea Sipple. My DMs are open. Um, just send something saying you want to be featured. We can set something up. Um, I'd love to schedule an interview. That's awesome. I mean, Chelsea, like it's you continue to do a great job. And I think we're just blessed that we seamlessly went from Kinsey to you. And I mean, you continuously show how much better you're, you're getting in this. And I mean, I look forward to seeing you in your in the future, not just in high school, but beyond. But Chelsea, thank, thank you. you so much for coming on again with us. And we look forward, you know, next week to see who you have and some of the interesting questions that you ask. I'll catch y'all next week. All right. Awesome, Chelsea. Hey, Guru, I think it's that time, you know, we all together, kind of drop that video for Grace's Gems. Let's do it, Langston. All right, Coach Grice, it's time. Grice's Gem, the, the best segment of the show. Uh, you're going to highlight the best players in the state from this week. Uh, let's go ahead and get after it. Uh, going up to Greensboro, North Carolina, Northern Guilford High School. Uh, we're going to see Jack Gooch and Connor Lecheski. Uh, these guys combined for a three-sack night in their big 43-6 win over a not-too-shabby, by the way, Southeast Guilford team. Coach, what do we see? Yeah, I mean, you know, you knew Coach Bates was going to have, you know, Southeast Guilford uh, be a quality team, but let's talk about Northern Guilford here. Anytime you have a dominant win over a good program, we know defense has to be at the core of it. And no, I'm not hacked. I, I am saying that correctly. Defense has to be at the core of a great win like that. But combining for three sacks, I mean, you know, they anchored and spearheaded this defense that really kept Southeast Guilford in trouble all night. I would talk about, you know, the Nighthawks having 10 tackles for a loss and six play, you know, six additional plays where Southeast couldn't even get a yard. So, I mean, when you have 16 plays in a game where your defense is that dominant and holding the other team to nothing, I mean, these two guys are, were a big part of that, and that's why they grice his gym. Yeah, I'm looking at the film right there, and you see Jack Gooch. Looks like he's lined up as a five technique or maybe a, I don't know if they had a six. Uh, but having that, that power there kind of coming off that end, we don't have any film for Lecheski. Uh, but just seeing the numbers and, and what they're able to do, that's got to be a headache uh, for offensive lines, for the coaches, for offensive coordinators. That's got to be tough uh, to deal with. Oh, definitely. 100%. I mean, again, guys with dominant performances like that, hey, we've got to highlight them for crisis gym. So glad they can make it again. Connor, get that film in next time. We want to highlight and show some of the amazing plays that you made. Yeah, Northern Guilford undefeated, moving on up in the rankings. I uh, certainly think that they're going to be a force come November. Uh, let's go to the eastern side of the state. This is one of the two most dominant programs, or one of them. Uh, the other one I consider to be Cardinal Gibbons, who's lost a few, but still they went out and played everybody. Uh, but Cleveland High School, Amarian Hampton, uh, what these guys are doing, 265 yards rushing Friday night, five touchdowns against South Garner. That was a four-and-one South Garner team coming in. Uh, Friday night. Uh, this is, I think he's the real deal. 
Oh, I mean, and we've, you know, given so much praise to Marion Hampton. He's been a guy that's been doing this for a while. And again, another game in which he's shown exactly why, one, that UNC has him on the radar, and two, why he's one of the best players in the state and someone we continually have highlighted as, you know, one of the best players we see. Again, 265 yards rushing and five, count them, five touchdowns and a big win. He's a guy that Cleveland counts on that knows that, hey, when we start this game, We've got to get this ball, this guy the ball, and he's going to produce in a major way, and he did so. You know, and I look at him right here, and he is a big player, a big frame, uh, low to the ground, but yet stocky, yet fast. He's got that rare combination of speed and the ability to run between the tackles, incredible vision. Uh, you know, by the landscape of what I've seen in Chapel Hill, I do think he's a guy that can contribute day one on campus for the Hills. Agreed. And I mean, we're seeing that a lot with a lot of these you know, big time North Carolina recruits going into Chapel Hill and, and being immediate contributors. I think you can add his name to the list if he does choose to go there. So, you know, salute to you, Amari and Hampton again. Hey, Grice's Jim, you bald. Definitely got the call there. Well, back here in the Queen City, Coach Justin Harden has the Latin program uh, in going in the right direction. They had a huge victory uh, Friday night, 24-22 over perennial power. Christian, uh, Daniel Halton, uh, he had a big night all over the field. What do you see from this guy? I've seen this guy in person, you know, last fall when the private schools played. I mean, he's one of the most explosive, high-octane, high-speed guy that, you know, they have on the team. If they need a big play on offense or defense, they're getting him the ball. Quarterback Justin Willers always looking to him no matter what I've seen, you know, even in seven-on-seven games where games don't count. He's always turning his eyes to Daniel Halton. So from the offensive side, you know, not surprised at all. And, again, someone that dynamic as we talked about before, you're going to get that guy, you know, in positions, whether it's punt returns, kickoff returns. Halton needs the ball in his hands as much as possible for them to win. And then on the defensive side, he was able to produce in a major way with ten big tackles and two TFLs. A performance, and we always talk about the Grice's Gyms formula, you know, you've got the versatility where you're playing both sides of the ball. You're impacting, you know, in a third way on special teams. And you're able to do all three of those with success and making major numbers. you got to get the call there. So glad to have Daniel Halton on here as a Grice's Gym. And I think uh, he's an alum here as well. So glad to have him back. Absolutely. And I like highlighting these schools. Uh, I think sometimes you got some guys who think that those private schools aren't on the same level as public schools. I disagree. I think that they can absolutely – uh, strap it up and play with them week to week. So a great Agreed. job, the Latin program. Uh, staying right here in the Queen City, um, West Charlotte, uh, Joe uh, Mahatha, uh, Josh Mahatha, I'm sorry, seven touchdown passes in Friday's win over West Mecklenburg. That's a 14-year school record uh, set by Darius Tom Thomas. Anytime you're setting or breaking a record Oof. in the West Side WC, that's got to be a big-time deal. Hey, man, I, you know, we laugh about this with Griner all the time. I mean, seven touchdowns, there are probably seasons that he didn't have teams to throw for seven touchdowns, man. You know, but Josh has been a quarterback that's been talented since his, you know, since day one. He was an all-conference quarterback as a freshman. You know, a guy that we know that, you know, if he's on, he's going to be one of the best quarterbacks in the city. I mean, you see those numbers of 13 to 16. You talk about those high percentage, you know, high percentage passing afternoons. I mean, 13 to 16, 339. So he's big throws to some of his talented receivers. Again, a night like this when you're on, you're producing big numbers and, and you're able to establish yourself as one of the best in the city. So salute to Josh. You know, he's had the ability, you know, ever since he stepped into the high school arena. And again, if he's on, he's going to be one of the best out here. Well, I really like those all gold uniforms. That's a really good looking uh, look Definitely. that uh, Coach Griner has implemented there. So props to you on that. I'm sure the kids love it. 
Uh, and oh, finally, uh, you know, you ball, you're going to get the call. Uh, we certainly had to give this guy a call. Uh, Marquise McCombs, Chase High School. I think this guy is surging. Uh, I don't mean moving into the picture. He is surging and inserting himself into the picture. He is going to be heard. Uh, 362 yards, five touchdowns Friday night. Man, this guy's got it going on. Oh, my goodness. And I think that's a record for us. A first going into fresh faces one week to crisis gyms the next week. And to do that, you got to have the numbers like he had, 362 and five on the ground from 29 carries and additionally having having a catch for nine yards. He did it all in this game. And you talk about offense. I mean, 370 total yards. And, and again, he was already the leading rusher in North Carolina. But to come back and put this type of performance in over McDowell, we know isn't an awful team, but a team that's going to show up to do something. To put those type of numbers in, I mean, that's amazing. And again, got to give the call to a guy like this. I'm excited to see where we put him, and we got to talk about him, you know, approaching Mr. Football territory. Because well, these are- yeah, but let's look at this. McDowell, I believe, was three and one going into this game, a 4A school, a big sized 4A school. And you can look at that film. Those are some big boys. That's a physical-looking ball club he's running against. And for him to put forth those numbers, he is an incredible talent. And you're right. I think that McCombs can go from fresh face, Grice Jim. He very well may be near the top of the football, Mr. Football Award, by the time it's all said and done. Definitely. I mean, it's, you know, great to highlight such talent like this. And I think, you know, with our charge, again, of going from Dare to Cherokee, we're going to find the best talent and highlight them. So, again, you have a great performance on Friday night. Highlight, you know, at Guru Chris Hughes, at Coach Jay Grice, at Langston Wirtz Jr. If you ball, you pro- provide the film, you're definitely going to get the call. So please make sure you respond to us and let us know on you know on Fridays. Hopefully we can get you guys in here. Again, as you can see, the bar to success is very high to be at Grice's gym. So make have those big performances and let us know. All right, man, that's big time. Uh, again, week seven, moving on through the season. I think we need to start our own hashtag, Grice's Gems or something. So that way. Oh, yeah. Uh, you got to have the Grice's Gym hashtag. That's perfect. All right, man. Let's do it. Hey, again, Grice's Gems, uh, another week in the books. We'll catch y'all next week. All right. All right. Hey, another week, Chris. Guru, we got another Mr. Football list. I'm ready to see who's on there. All right, going into week seven, gentlemen, uh, and, and just to throw it out there, you know, this list still isn't set in stone. Uh, it's still a work in progress and somewhat changes from week to week, and I do not believe we'll do any cutting of the list until the following of the regular season, uh, moving into the playoffs where we really see who the, the real contenders are. But there you see right there, no change at the top, Marion Hampton, Cleveland, uh, Dalen, Hollywood Smothers still right there. Uh, Jalen Walker holding tough. Uh, we seen Tad after that big game uh, Friday night. Um, Tad Hudson over at Huff move up. Uh, Harrington holds spot, holds tough. Um, Barnett over there at Grimsley. Uh, Jacob Newman continuing to look good, gentlemen. Uh, Lucas Lindhoff takes a little bit of a drop Friday uh, after their game. Uh, Pierce moves back into it and moves up. And I'm here to tell you guys, after seeing him with my own eyes, I'm not so sure Pierce may not be one of the most talented gentlemen in the state. Uh, Hamilton at Hickory Ridge continues to impress. Summers at Davy, Fortune, uh, Marquise McCombs. We just seen the, the feature on him. Uh, look at him moving up. Jaden Brooks at Princeton, Malachi Hamrick at Shelby, and Byron Brown. Gentlemen, that's your 16. Uh, I'll throw it out here for some thoughts. 
I think uh, we need to figure out maybe another Huff defensive player. Huff's defense is really balling out right now. So, you know, Friday night, Michael Pepe, uh, the middle linebacker, was all over the field. He filled every gap, uh, making tackles, sideline to sideline. I really liked him. And I don't have the number of the name, but number four, the corner, was really excellent as well. Gotcha. Yeah, and I think, you know, especially with Huff, I feel like they're just such a great cohesive unit. I mean, if we, you know, we get into the, to talking about them. And, I mean, even this year, I think you've got – they're so balanced. I want to say, it's, to me, it's one of the best uh, defensive outfits that Chachi's put out there in, in a good while. And, I mean, seeing that, you know, on display against Chambers was, was definitely something. But, you know, Guru, I know you were at that game, and I know you saw James Pierce. Of course, I've, you know, and Griner himself had the game plan against him for years. But just curious your thoughts, and especially with this big move, and just kind of your, your opinion of He's so long, athletic, I mean, just a big, tall, lean-looking player, but he's just able to make moves there on that defensive line uh, to get himself around the blockers, to get in the quarterback's face, whether um, making the – well, you know, and it didn't matter if they were trying to run away from him to him. He just seemed to always be there making the plays. He's just one of those guys that, you know, every now and then you've got a type of player that you have to account for on the field at every time if you're that QB or that OC, and, and he seems to be it right now. I agree 100%. I mean, good we got Marquise McCombs in there again. I think he's, what, the third leading rusher in the nation right now uh, with over 1,300 yards. I mean, that guy, you don't want to talk about exploding on the scene. I'm really, you know, excited to see him there as we got him on the list. But, no, he's quality athletes on this list. And, again, as we talk about, if you're not on here, you're going to have to show your work for sure. But definitely some good guys. Alex, your thoughts on uh, Mason Fortune here from Millbrook. I mean, he continues to stay on this list. Can you talk about him and just some of the reasons that you, you know, you really vouch for him as well? Absolutely. Uh, Mason Fortune <clears throat> doing a fantastic job leading the Millbrook team that is 5-0 for the first time since 2010. And uh, obviously he has uh, quite a bevy of uh, talented players with whom to work with the likes of uh, Wesley Grimes at wide receiver who's headed to Wake Forest and uh, is uh, always a talented pool of skilled position players at Millbrook. Uh, Mason Fortune and Millbrook will have quite a test this Friday at Heritage in a realigned conference. Uh, Millbrook moving up to a conference with the likes of Heritage, Rollsville, Wake Forest. So very, very competitive conference. This will be one of Mill. This will be the first conference test for Millbrook, and uh, we'll see what Mason Fortune can do to continue the uh, high-octane output that Millbrook has put out under his leadership, 5-0 and thus far. But uh, very impressive so far. We'll see what they can do against a quality heritage team. Understood. No, that makes perfect sense. I look forward to seeing what he's able to do. Um, Gary, you know, I know you, you know, of course, big Chambers supporter. You know, with Hollywood there in the top, you know, of course, on, uh, at two, it seemed like he was a little, you know, he had struggled to get it going a bit against Huff. Can you talk about his performance there and just kind of why he maybe, you know, wasn't able to kind of go up to that one spot again? Well, I think when you're playing in Chambers, you got to pick your poison. And I think Huff realized that the, the, the way to make a team one-dimensional is to, to stop the run and, and then take your chances with the pass. And from what I understand is they put eight in the box, and that was their game plan to stop Hollywood, you know, to make it tough on them. And um, – Put, put Chambers in a position where they had to play catch-up. And when you're playing catch-up, then you kind of get away from the running game. And 
that's the strength of the Chambers team is the running game uh, with Hollywood. So um, apparently uh, Huff did a, a great job on keeping the big play, you know, keeping down the big play. Vance excels at, I mean, Chambers excels at the big play. And um, he had some tough sledding. I think he still probably had a great game, but it was against some tough competition. And, uh, you know, that's going to be the toughest competition they probably face all season. And I'm sure he will have a bounce back game on Friday night, regardless of who they play. Yeah, I mean, of course, that'll be next Friday night, of course. They are playing, as I call it, Open University this weekend as they get some well-needed time off. Uh, Dale, you know, I know you are always our, our Southern correspondent. Jacob Newman keeps climbing up, and I mean, he I think this is his highest ranking or one of his closest to his highest ranking at seven. Can you talk about him? Of course, a big game two weeks ago uh, beating Catawba Ridge, but then running wild, I think it was Barry this past weekend uh, with another big game. Can you talk about what you've seen from him and why you think he deserves his seven spot? Uh He's a great, strong runner with vision, always looking for a place to go. I think unlike any of the kids, some of these kids, you know, I, I love, um, I love our number two pick there. That kid's just extremely athletic. And that's not to say that Jacob is not. Uh, Jacob's blessed with a fantastic line to run behind. Uh, I think probably the best line that we're going to see uh, uh, play when you guys get a chance to see them. But Jacob is, uh, what, he's right at 800 yards right now. Uh, I think he's played strong in every game. Uh, he's got, he does have some benefits of South has other weapons that they can use. So you can't focus like maybe Huff was able to do Friday night. You can't focus on shutting him down because they do have other weapons. So I think he's a great complement to that team. Uh, and just talking with the young man, I, I, I tell you, I, I don't think you'll meet uh, or talk with a more humble uh, individual. He never asked me. I had a meeting with him last week, uh, and he never asked about this list, where he was at, what he could do to get uh, to go up on it. He talks about his teammates. So uh, I just wanted to throw that in there. I think he's a great, I think he's a great young man. That's great to hear. And I agree with you 100%. I've met him and I echo those same sentiments. Um, but just let everyone know, you know, with our Mr. Football watch list, <clears throat> excuse me, this list will be cut down eventually to 12. And then at the end of the season, we'll have the top three or the three finalists uh, live on our show here on Talking Preps on a Tuesday night in the future and where we will name the winner of Mr. Football for the 2021 season. So fall 2021 season, I guess, with, of course, COVID uh, having a spring 2021 season. But, you know, we're excited again, some great conference games with these teams and some players meeting up. So <clears throat> we'll be excited to see who can be, you know, be in that top three and eventually who will be the winner. Um, you know, with that being done, let's go ahead and move to Fresh Faces. Coach Grice, can you believe it's finally, or not finally, can you believe it's week seven now for the high school season? Man, where has it gone? I, I don't know. I mean, that's always one thing we tell our kids. Enjoy the time because you don't know how quick it's going to go. Been doing this for a while, not as long as you, Guru, but every year I swear we're going faster and faster. 
Well, man, we're going to move to fresh faces. And I've got to say, you've got a fresh face. I haven't seen that face for a while. <laughs> hey, I had, had to clean up a little bit, you know, you know, it's getting getting towards that midseason, getting ready for that playoff grind. So wanted to be a little, get a little fresh face uh, to match our fresh face time here. So I'm or, ready. To go or could it be that you're expecting to grow a really big playoff beard and you want to start from scratch? Is that it, maybe? Oh, that, that's it, too. I told the kids I've got I've got to clean this off to, to, to get this going to really grow something big. So hopefully I won't be cutting this beard for a long time. All right, man. Well, hey, let's go ahead and hit it right here. Fresh faces. Um, Harding Highs, Allen Ivy went from 125 pounds to 195. That's not unprecedented. I've seen it, uh, but that's one heck of a transition, Coach. Oh, that is. And, I mean, especially getting to that program, you know, got Coach Smith over there, Coach Van Smith, you know, he's a defensive guy. If you're going to play ball for him, you know, you, you've got to hit that weight room. And, you know, you got a lot of great kids. Of course, you know, we know Coach Griner was over there, and, you know, they got some talent over there. So, you know, good that he locked in with some of the more talented kids over there to get right. And, I mean, he's going to be a problem again at 5'11", 195. That's somebody on that defense that you got to watch out for. And, and, you know, just to talk recruiting for a moment, you know, that 5'11", 195, that puts you in that threshold. If you've got the talent, you're, you're kind of getting up there into the, you know, you're going to get looked at by some bigger schools. You know, it gets you out of that D2 mold uh, uh, and propels you up into some of the group of five or power five schools. So uh, we'll certainly keep an eye out uh, for him. Definitely. I look forward to it. And again, you know, Harding in that conference, you know, as they're building up, they were a real young team and are, are starting to get older. Look for a guy like him to help, you know, those, that, those young kids on that team, make sure they're ready to go and try to surprise some teams this year to get a couple of quality wins. All right, coach. Uh, let's go to the, the Piedmont area towards your old stomping grounds, uh, Alamance County for Kavari Hightower. This gentleman's at Graham High School. Uh, he is among the top five in North Carolina for receiving yards this year. Um, what, what do you see? I mean, you know, he looks like a traditional slot guy. I mean, I love how we get, you know, guys, even though they may play the same position, they do a lot of different things. I mean, 22 catches, 561 yards receiving, you know, lets you know, again, this guy's an explosive kid. We're seeing him catch some shorter routes, lets you know he definitely has what it takes to take that ball from a short two to four yard catch, but be able to turn that into 60 or 70 yards. So, you know, I definitely am excited to see some of the you know different type guys, like a traditional slot here that can take that ball. And as we can see, it looks like you can go get missing real quick. Yeah, it looks like they kind of use him like a Florida used Percy Harvin in the day, kind of put him in the slot, get some carries out of the backfield. Uh, I think he's got a big future for him. Uh, let's stay in Greensboro and and look at Jaheen Pittman. Uh, and I might be going a little bit too fast for the, the video right here, but a Dudley High School, uh, Jaheen Pittman um, at – the defensive lineman, I, I know we always talk about it. We we got a spot like these deep defensive line guys, six foot three, two hundred and ninety-five pounder. Oh, definitely. And we scrimmaged him early in the year. And I mean, one thing about Dudley and you know, leaving that scrimmage, they have, even though they're quote unquote three A, I mean, they have, you know, a, a defensive line that could rival any um yes. with any team that we play or that we see all year. So, you know, he was one of the the core linchpins there. And I mean, you know, what is it with the three through six and defensive linemen? I mean, we've talked about Shaw before, Grimsley, you know, he's got another guy there on the D line. I can't recall his name right now. And then you have Pittman here. It looks like the three three six really has, you know, some great defensive linemen. And I mean, hey, if you're gonna run the ball up there, you better make sure that you have him accounted for in your blocking scheme. Now defensive line play has always been a staple of uh Coach Stephen Davis's program. I love the little wait for it icon right there that, and, and allow the play to, to look. And there you go. He's going to make the play right there. Uh, that's Jaheen Pittman at Dudley 
a great, uh, great uh, looking player. Averages nine and a half tackles a game. I don't know about you, but that's getting after it. Oh, that is. I mean, fourth overall in the state also is with eight sacks. I mean, he's a guy, again, you know, we talk about some of these major lists. We talk about these all-state, you know, designations at the end of the year. I think he's making an early case that you've got to consider him for such an you know, esteemed, uh, you know, esteemed honor at the end based on his play so far. Well, the way I've seen the 3A play out, if uh, they don't uh, count for him, uh, nobody's going to stop Dudley from making a, a very deep run once again in this playoffs. So coach is going to have to figure that guy out. Uh, this last guy, we're going to bring it back down here to the Charlotte region, uh, Forest View High School uh, over there in Gastonia. Um, Camry Reed, 5'11", 175-pound running back. Uh, what do we see out of him, Coach? I mean, you know, again, he's averaging 5.3 yards per carry. I mean, we, and you see the great catch there. It shows you not only is he great with the ball in his hand and the traditional, you know, running the ball. I mean, you throw that ball out to him and allow him to make the catch. He shows that he can do it whether he needs one hand or two. Um, you know, we talked about Forest View definitely, you know, surging this year, playing a tougher schedule. But, you know, being a team that's really kind of opened some eyes this year, he's one of the main reasons why. I mean, leading his team in rushing, clearly as a punt returner, you can see he's one of the best athletes on the team. And we love it when we're able to transition from defense to offense and put that offense either in the end zone or getting that chance to start off in great field position. But his versatility is, is shown here, and you see why he's one of the most counted on players on his team. Yeah, 46 carries, 242 yards, three touchdowns. Big-time numbers for him. Coach Chris Medlin's team, they are definitely surging. Uh, there's a good chance they can end up in my top 25 rankings this week. I wouldn't they got some losses, but they, you, like you said, they played a really aggressive schedule. Definitely. No, I, I'm excited to see that, and we'll talk about that later on. But, yeah, again, you see the reason why. And I love with fresh faces. We see teams that are doing well, but with our segment here, we're able to see the why behind it, and that always gets me excited. All right, man, we've done it again, week seven in the book, so we'll do it again next week. All right, see you, Guru. All right, uh, Grice, I hear it's time to look at our games of the week uh, for this week. Um, you see right there at the top, Archer Kell at Myers Park. Uh, Alex, we've already mentioned this one earlier. I think this is a big one uh, with Millbrook both at 5-0, going to Heritage at 5-0 as well. Uh, I think this is that opportunity in, in that – Big game to this point um, for both Fortune and Wesley Grimes to, to really solidify themselves on that that Mr. Football list for sure. Um, Porter Ridge and Marvin Ridge is a good one. Uh, Mount Tabor at East Forsyth. A couple really good battles up there in the CPC. Uh, Mount Tabor at East Forsyth. Glenn at West Forsyth. Uh, we just mentioned Forest View, how great they have looked to this point. Uh, they get a chance to really um, – move on up as well uh, on the road against Kings Mountain. Uh, I think Kings Mountain's a team that's really surged in this first half of the season, probably eclipsed where I thought they would be. So great job, Coach Lloyd and everybody. Uh, Chase at Hendersonville, uh, we mentioned um, Marquise McCombs and what he is doing on the ground. Uh, uh, Gavin and, and the, the entire team up there at Hendersonville, they're just putting up incredible numbers. Uh, Ledford, we've seen them. Central Davidson, big rivalry game. Franklin at Pisgah, uh, looking here at the other side. Um, A.C. Reynolds, Asheville. Asheville's really come on strong of late. Uh, West Lincoln at Bunker Hill. Uh, Cape Fear, 71st. Northern Nash at Roanoke Rapids. Hoggard at South Brunswick. By the way, South Brunswick beat New Hanover 6-3 to uh, this past week. Uh, Terry Sanford Pine Forest, I'm assuming, is going to take place. I know they've been struggling with getting some games in down there. Eastern Alamance at Williams may be a better game than many are realizing. 
and then uh, Midway Clinton, Hertford at Northeastern. Uh, and Alex, uh, talk, talk a little bit about this Fuquay at uh, Cleveland game. In all honesty, the game won't be very competitive. It is an opportunity, though, to see a number of uh, featured players. I'd like to talk about, I mean, we all know Amari and Hampton. Uh, he speaks for himself. Uh, let's take an opportunity to contemplate Amari and Hampton on defense. He is a two-way player and is a very stout linebacker as well. Obviously, we only see him because uh, one of the biggest things that Cleveland coach Scott Riley has to do is manage Amari and Hampton's minutes on both sides of the ball for obvious reasons, looking to make that uh, big playoff push. But beyond Omari and Hampton and um, <clears throat> uh, Skylar I. Locklear, the uh, quarterback who's very, very impressive, another Division One signing, a uh, recruit, and um, it looks at some of Cleveland's younger players like a Cameron Goins, who's very, very good uh, wide receiver, which uh, gives Hampton and Locklear another uh, skill position compliment, which makes Cleveland very, very good. Uh, Fuquay Verena, that's old school football right there for you. Jeb Hall is going to line it up and they're and, and they're going to play a hard nose smash mouth football you you'll see a lot of power eye uh, a lot of uh, uh fullback sets uh, a lot of uh simple uh off um dives off left tackle off right tackle uh the young man i really like for them uh connor uh Chaparral, their fullback who had uh 60 yard, who i had 60 yards on 10 carries on a winning drive over Holly Springs earlier this year in uh, Fuquay Verena's first game back in its home stadium after the uh, campus was uh, overhauled over the last uh, couple of years or so. Uh, Shepperell is a, a two-sport athlete, uh, including lacrosse. Uh, he's very fun to watch and just reminds you of why that hard-nosed, smash-mouth, old-school football, grinded-out mentality works so well for Fuquay Verena. Uh, on paper, the game might not be very, very close, but it is an opportunity to watch two different styles and why they're so effective. So even, you know, kind of into that, Alex, to follow up, you know, we, everyone talks about and sees, you know, Martin Hampton being there as our number one guy right now. Um, one of the biggest complaints or, or people that, you know, really fight for 704 football is to say Cleveland and Amari and himself have not been tested enough. Could you like speak into that and kind of give your thoughts as to the him as a player and, you know, what, I guess, if that's true. Anybody who puts up 50 points a game consistently is doing something right. I think the other thing to keep in mind is that Omari and Hampton did not play the second half of last season, including the entire playoff run for Cleveland. And look where Cleveland still ended up with an opportunity to claim a three double A state championship. Now, I know this is different this year as Cleveland has ascended to the 4A level, and Cleveland is competing amidst the rigors of a very stout 4A East without the subdividing this year. So, we're talking about Cardinal Gibbons, Cleveland, Roseville, Wake Forest is going to find a way to be there, Leesville Road, Richmond County. Pinecrest going back and forth, battling to get out. I'm, I'm sure I forgot somebody in there, but Cleveland is proving its mettle with its offensive output and uh, its defensive prowess thus far. And remember, like I said earlier, you, you have to keep in mind that Scott Riley is managing Omari and Hampton's minutes. 
that would be a different kind of game if the situation called for it. So let's keep that in mind too. So Cleveland is among that, that, that group of seven or eight teams, very, very good teams who will be vying for an opportunity to come out of the 4A East and play on the last game of the season. We just have to see how the bracketing works out. But if you're scoring 50 plus points a game coming off of a three double A state final appearance, I'm not going to sneeze at you. That's good. All right, guys, let's go and, and talk about our big game for this week and see what Mr. Grice has to say about it. All right, guys, our big game of the week is going to head on down there uh, in in what I consider the hotbed for excitement when it comes to high school football in this state, uh, Cleveland County, Gaston County. Uh, we've got a big robbery, a slobber knocker of a smash mouth game between South Point and Crest. Uh, so let's talk about it. Yeah, we had to get out of 704 this week. Oh, Guru, we had to get out of 704 this week. I, I was excited about this game. I'm excited to talk about it now. I'm stepping all over you. Um, it's going to be a good one. I mean, South Point's 4-1. and one. Their only notable loss uh, was 27-7 to at Hickory Ridge. Where you look at Crest, their only loss has been a one-point loss. I think it was week one, Guru, to Burns, to Londale Burns. Um, you know, two teams that are really showing that they're ready to, to be, you know, major players in 3A. Uh, first key, um, th these two are run-based teams, A.J. Riley versus Mari Adams. Uh, to me, the better performer is going to be the one on the winning side. A.J. Riley almost has 1,000 yards rushing so far and 12 touchdowns, averaging 7.3 yards per carry. I mean, just amazing so far. Mari Adams has come along as of, as of these last few games. Uh, his last game, he had 209 and three touchdowns. I think that was over a win against uh, Stuart Kramer, if I'm not mistaken. He's had three straight games now with over 170 yards and two at least two touchdowns touchdowns. I mean, these two players have been stellar performers this season and are clearly the reason why their teams are successful. The better guy in this game is going to be the guy on the winning side, though. You can book that. Uh, the second one, you got to win the turnover battle. I mean, both of these teams, you know, want to maximize possessions as much as possible. With them being run-oriented, you know that every possession has to count and every possession has to be treated like your firstborn child. So they've got to maximize these possessions and minimize turnovers on both sides. Both teams have been used to success. So we, you know, the team that makes the most mistakes here is going to be the one I think that's going to lose. And then finally, South Point. I mean, this for them, they've got to get over the hump. They haven't beat Crest since 2017. And honestly, the years in which they've beaten Crest, that has been their announcement to the football world in this state that they're ready for big-time football. This is a great opportunity for a great South Point team, I think, that they can step and show and say, hey, we're ready to contend for the state title. They can't do that unless they beat Crest in this game. And for Crest, I think it's understood, and I think the opportunity, you know, we know the tradition-rich area that is, you know, that, that Cleveland County area. They've got to come into this game, make a statement and say, hey, we know Cleveland's better than Gaston. At least that's what they feel. And make their mark in a big time game and show everyone that, hey, we're still the team that need, you need to watch out for. So I'm excited. Hey, if I, was, if I wasn't coaching in a game, I'd find my way out here to this game. It's going to be one of the best in the state this week.
Yeah, and I'll say the real race will be the race for the fans to get there and fill up that stadium. Uh, but those who do not know uh, football in Cleveland and, and even that part of Gaston, you know, they just treat it differently than a lot of parts of the state. Uh, back when the, you know, the message boards were really big time back in the early 2000s and, and for the past 10 or so years, that game between Crest and South Point fans would just really bring it out of fans. So, you know, they're going to pack the stadiums, lines for the concession stands to be long. That game would be at what – is great about high school football. So I, I know the fans will be the real winners. Oh, for sure. I'm All excited. Right, man, let's talk about some rankings. Oh, yeah. All right, we're going to start here at the 1A. Uh, Eastern Randolph, uh, they're still a 4-0. Uh, they got a big game against undefeated Southwestern Randolph Friday night. Uh, Tarboro uh, sticking right there with them. Number two, Melanary continues to be strong. Uh, three, Thomasville at four. Thomasville is dominated even with some injuries. I think the Bulldogs are going to make a strong playoff push. Uh, Robbinsville at five, they have struggled to get ball games in. In fact, their game tonight or for this week has been uh, postponed as well. Uh, Andrews right there with them, Smoky Mountain Conference team, Mitchell County, Mountain Heritage, Murphy, a lot of Smoky Mountain Conference teams in 1A as expected. And then Northside uh, are sticking with them right there in the 1A, guys. Um, and that Smoky Mountain Conference just always dominates the 1A. And then, of course, Thomas or Tarboro in the East. Uh, for sure. I mean, I'm excited. We always talk about, you know, those 1A teams, and it's always about the rematch. You know, they're going to play, you know, those same teams in four and five weeks. What can you learn from that first game to get ready for that second one? Because I feel like the rankings for 1A, they matter in, in regards to playoff seeding, but you got to go back and beat that same team twice in a lot of cases. Yep. Uh, and let's look right here at the 2A rankings uh, since they pop up the field. Reedsville has not played in two weeks. Uh, I think they may be actually be playing as we speak tonight against North Forsyth. Uh, they've been hit really hard with game cancellations. Salisbury's right there. They have just been absolutely dominant, scoring upwards of 65, almost 70 points in about the past four straight weeks. Uh, Northeastern had the huge, huge victory over Edenton Holmes. Um, Maiden right there had a tough win over a very, very good uh, West Lincoln team. Shelby kind of just sticking right there with them. Whiteville is a team that I've got my eyes on. They continue to move up. Wallace Rose Hill as well. Hendersonville, uh, they got that big game Friday night against Chase. You see Chase coming in the scene there at number 10 and Burns as well. Uh, all, all good football team, gentlemen. They are. So tell me about mating. I mean, I've seen them. I know they had a huge win over Christ School early. They've seemed to show, you know, that they're a tough team. I think still undefeated. So, you know, what are your thoughts there on that mating team, Craig Guru? I think that mating team looks really good. Uh, I, I think that they are continuing uh, to get better. Uh, they spread the ball out all over the field. Uh, you know, you know, they almost look to me a little bit more like what you'd expect out of a, a good 3A team that spreads the ball around maybe so much more than – a, a traditional Western North Carolina 2A that's kind of ground and pound. Uh, but Coach Will Burns done a great job up there. I think the Blue Devils are a definite force to make it into that fourth or fifth round of the playoffs. We know our Griders here. I'm on the screen. I better be in the deck. We know our Griders here. Let's see oh, it. Oh, oh, yeah. Hey! We in, we in the hunt, baby. We in the hunt. All right, guys. Um, these rankings could could really change by the end of the night. Uh, Scotland there, number one, but Jacksonville is in a dogfight right now. Uh, they were tied 21 apiece uh, with Greenville Rose here, game being played tonight. Lee County right there. Um, and don't forget, Jacksonville had that big win over Newburn this past week as well. Um, Kings Mountain, um, Dudley still in it, 71st. South Point 
Hunt Crest, and there you see them, uh, the big WC. Uh, how you feel about that, Sam? Let's go. I mean, we got, still got some work to do, but at least we own the board, baby. At least we own the board. Let's go on there. Let's go. <laughs> All right. Well, congratulations, you guys. I know it's well-deserved, and, and you guys have certainly put forth the, the effort, and, and it looked really good in the process. Uh, and let's check out let's check out the big dogs. Let's look at the full ring. Uh, no surprise right there. Huff moving up into the top spot, but Chambers certainly didn't fall far. Uh, Cleveland is sticking right there with them. Grimsley, Northern Guilford, Myers Park, Gibbons. Uh, I'm still I still think Gibbons is probably a little bit better than that, but you know you've got some really good teams up there uh, that you want to credit for their wins. Easterside, Newbern, uh, even with the loss to Jacksonville, a very solid Jacksonville. Uh, and then Richmond kind of sticking right there with them too. Uh, Alex? Well, the ranking speaks for themselves here. Huff got the job done in the regular season, as we talked about last week. And 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 just like we've spoken about on this show tonight, yeah, you can win the first time, but you're going to see him again. All right. I, I think we all know that very well could happen. So uh, congratulations to Congratulations to Huff for now. They're where they should be. Chambers is where it should be. And, and then you just see, like we've spoken about, that whole um, bundle of teams who can beat each other on a given day, which makes this so, so exciting and uh, so, so accurate. I mean, you could jumble up about three through eight, and it would still be accurate, which is a great testament to how competitive this classification is this year as it is perennially. So, I mean, like I said, hats off to Huff. You got the regular season win, and both schools have given us something to which to look forward a few weeks down the road, possibly, if it happens. And uh, everyone else, just continue battling because three through eight, we could mix it up right now, and it probably still would be pretty accurate. I think. I think Hickory. I think Hickory Ridge could be as good as New Bern. I think they should be in the top ten. To be honest with you, they're they're a very talented team, and they're very disciplined. Jupiter does a good job with them. I think you'll see them creep into the the top ten as well. They'll be a tough out and then come playoff time. They're gonna they're gonna win that conference. They're gonna dominate the conference. They're not gonna lose. Yeah, that was a, that, that was a really kind of a surprise how easily they won last week because it was kind of close at the beginning and then the scores were coming back and it was. Getting wider and wider. And Christian Hamilton had one of the craziest plays I've ever seen. Uh, Blocked punt return. He went up the right side for a touchdown. I mean, that kid's special. He's number one recruit in 2023. I know we talk a lot about other kids in that class, but he's the number one recruit. So, I mean, he's a very polished runner. He's very fast, but he's well built too. He can take a hit. You know, he can play defense. Game speed. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He put him in a combine and he might not stand out, but once you put him on the lights on, He's a different kid. He can run though. He, he'll run a legit four or five. I know that for yeah, sure. Yeah, he can go float. Well, I, I've been waiting on this segment all day because I wanted to hear what Gary had to say. Uh, Charlotte Mecklenburg schools lost uh, Chambers AD Carlos Richardson. What well, we've seen a, a number of of our best talent leaving. So on the flip side of this, Gary, I'm gonna throw it to you. Okay. All right, so we are on the great debate. And uh, what does CMS need to do, Gary, to retain this talent? Because we keep losing talent. Well, as far as ADs are concerned, and congratulations to Carlos, um, it's, it's well-deserved. I think CMS could do two things. One, I think they could take 
classes away from athletic directors. And then two, they need to pay them like an assistant principal because they supervise an entire athletic program, uh, hundreds of kids, uh, many coaches, a whole lot of sports, a whole lot of money. Um, they have a they have a lot on their plate as well as keeping um, accurate records as far as eligibility is concerned. So I think one way you you prevent losing good people like this is, as Sam is always saying, you got to pay them. You got to pay them. And uh, for ads, I think you take away their classes so they have all day to do their duties, and then you pay them like an administrator because they are administrating athletics. So I think that would be my way to keep them. Sam, I know what you're going to say, but <laughs> yeah, I mean, it's pretty simple. Pay, pay that man his money, you know, like rounders, like pay that man his money. I mean, seriously, we're going to lose people left and right, left and right. I mean, these guys that are ADs, they need to make close to six figures or over. They really do. Um, football coaches, they need to make more. Um, basketball coaches, every coach needs to make more. We spend tons of time. Um, we sp Like I literally said, I do the hours. I, I spend an extra 40 to 50 hours a week on top of my teaching schedule. And when you do the math on it, you make like 21 cents an hour. <laughs> I mean, it's, it's literally ridiculous for the pay. We do it. See, I think North Carolina has got this thing Well. These coaches just love doing it because it's a part of their life. That is true. But eventually, when people realize the talent that someone can provide and help a program, guess what? South Carolina says, we can pay these people more. Even heard Aaron Brand say it before. He says, North Carolina's probably got more talented players, but the coaches in North, uh, South Carolina are ridiculously great because they pay them so well. So imagine if we could pay – coaches similar to what they do in South Carolina, figure out a way. And I don't care if all the football coaches wanted to be like, I know we can't strike, but I'm saying we can just be like, all right, we'll be teachers then because every head football coach has to be in the building. We'll just be like, we'll just do the teaching stuff. And then all of a sudden they'll shut that stuff down real quick. And then they'll finally pay people what they're supposed to get paid, to be honest with you. Alex. I want to follow up on what Gary said. Gary's absolutely right. Athletics directors need to be assistant principals. Many LEAs, local education agencies in North Carolina, follow this paradigm already. So I want to follow up on what Gary said, a very astute point that Gary made. And I want to give you the multi-step paradigm to make it happen. You add an assistant principal to the administrative team and that assistant principal serves as the athletics director. That paradigm is implemented effectively already in Cumberland County Schools or the Fayetteville area. Step number two, Charlotte Mecklenburg Schools should partner with UNC Charlotte in its Master of School Administration program to afford the opportunity for Charlotte Mecklenburg Schools athletics directors to pursue their Master of School Administration and subsequently be licensed by the North Carolina Department of Public Instruction as a school administrator to justify that, uh, justify compensating on the pay scale just from an appearance and legality perspective. Step number three, the Charlotte Mecklenburg Board of Education should implement a comprehensive uh, professional development program in other words, put the money up to support 
fully the educational pursuits of these uh, athletics directors to earn that master of school administration credential so as to um, enhance the public efficacy and uh, just appearance wise these are already gifted educators uh, just to add another efficacy layer to uh, what they do from a credentialing perspective step number four is that all uh, athletics directors who pursue this professional development opportunity underwritten by Charlotte Mecklenburg schools should be paid on the assistant principal pay scale commensurate with the three-year grace period that teachers receive in pursuing certification as a classroom teacher. Give these athletics directors that three-year grace period by which they can be paid on the assistant principal scale while working toward that master of school administration degree underwritten completely by professional development funds. And I've heard this same, I'm oh, sorry. And then the last step, the last step yep. is that once these athletics directors earn that master of school administration credential, they stay on the AP scale and the bonus for earning that credential and being licensed as an administrator is that you reinstitute as a supplement the already existing athletics director's pay scale on top of their AP salary. Yeah, you sound a lot like Scott. That supplement, in addition to them being paid as an AD, once they get that credential, they benefit from both of them. Yeah, I mean, Scott Chadwick, the former Mars Park coach, used to make an argument very similar that Dale, should CMS look into making its three leagues more equitable and balanced now since all the teams are in one league? How do you make it more equitable is the question. <laughs> uh, you try to balance out. Uh, do you put, do you balance it so that you've got the strong teams in one conference and uh, try to make the conferences top to bottom uh, have more parity? Do you try to spread it out around, which is kind of what it looks like they do right now, or at least what we have right now? Um, I think that's the question you got to answer is what is, uh, you know, what is the goal? Is the goal to have competitive conferences or is the goal to kind of spread champions out around uh, the various conferences? Yeah, well, as somebody who's playing in a 4A conference with a 3A team, Sam, what are your thoughts? Yeah, I mean, we should definitely do something where it's very helpful. I'm fine with playing the 4A teams. It makes us battle-tested. Tell our guys all the time, we get to play the two best teams in the state and then possibly another top 10 in the state as well in Mallard Creek in our own conference. And we don't have to beat – None of them necessarily to win a state championship, but will be battle tested. So I'm fine with what the way that they do it now. I just wish, like I said, we got to figure something out how to compensate coaches so that when a coach becomes very successful, they don't just pack up shop and leave their, you know, take their families to South Carolina or Georgia or something like that. Imagine if we had these coaches here still, Aaron Brand, Paul Mary, um, many other ones that went to Georgia and South Carolina. Matt, the basketball Matt, coaches too. It's not just those guys. I mean, we're losing them in all sports. All it's sports. All, all sports. Baseball, basketball. Yes. All, all across the board. Dale, 
Should school, how should schools handle storming the field or the court after a big win? So is this about high schools? Because that's high school, when yes. you, yeah. So high schools, it's a lot more. I think it's a lot more uh, or a lot easier for them to manage. Uh, but in the end, the participants that um, do the storming have to know that they will face a consequence if we don't want this to happen. So they've got to know that there is a penalty that'll be uh, directed at them, not at the school. Certainly the school should face a penalty, but the students so the students or parents or whomever that's doing the storming has got to understand that it's not acceptable and you will be punished in some manner if if it happens. So I think you gotta I think you gotta come up with true punishments. It's a certainly a safety issue for both the players but for the fans because the players, the opposing players have just lost a game that was maybe a very high emotional game. And and we all know that one of the competitive natures of uh, nature of a uh, athlete is that in that kind of situation, they're not the best to be around. They're not the best people to be around. So all you have to do is say one wrong thing to them and the kid can't hold it and he could hurt a fan. So uh, it's a safety issue on both sides. And we just got to come up with a true penalty that will make people step back and say, no, I'm not going to do it. It's going to be hard, but uh, it's hard for some fans, I know, because you get emotionally attached as well. Gary, final word. I think it's more of an issue in college than it is in in, uh, high school, and and you can throw massive fines in college. Uh, In high school, it mainly happens in basketball because, you know, the the – stands are right up against the court but like dale said you, you you people have to know their consequences for their actions uh i think you know schools have to be proactive in understanding uh if it's a rival game or if it's a game that could be a possible uh upset especially if it's on a friday as opposed to a, a tuesday mm-hmm. when you have a bigger crowd then you need to have more security there and i think that's incumbent on on the home team uh, to provide that security. But I, I know we saw a good example of how things got out of hand at between State and Clemson this weekend, and um, you don't want to see that happen in the high school level. Absolutely. All right, fellas. All right, it's time to lock that door, man. I'm ready. Let's do it. Do we not have to go to music? No. Welcome to another edition of all right looks like we might actually get done on time tonight so uh, we'll get through these quickly who's going first who who's kicking and receiving oh i'm, I'm receiving i'm taking the ball i always defer <laughs> all right no, wait a minute, man. See, this is this is starting to become crap now. He gets like to warm up. Like he's over here shooting jumpers with the great debate. Yeah, trying to like get my you know, get my handle going. Like it's you know, it's a lot, man. I'm so I I need to take the ball to start. All right, well, let's go ahead and gear up first, Christ. Why has college football been so unpredictable? Is it the transfer portal, you know, the super senior bonus years? What's it? What is it? 
Yeah, I think for me, you know, that bonus year definitely has an impact. I mean, especially you look at some of these big teams, they've got guys, the pros are going to go to the NFL. You know, those guys are going to go. But when you've got a team like at NC State or like some of these other programs where you've got fifth-year seniors that are able to contribute and have been in the offense, they're going to be a lot tougher to get out of there than, you know, than some of these, you know, highly touted, like a DJ, like a highly touted guy who doesn't have a lot of collegiate experience, but we know is talented. It's going to be a little tougher going against a team that is more experienced, that's been there before and can execute what their coach needs them to do. So I, I think that does provide a little bit of the, the unpredictability of it, but it's college ball. That's why we love college. You got some scrappy kids that are going to go out there and play hard in a hostile environment. And some teams aren't going to be able to get that done all the time. Yeah, I totally agree with a lot of those aspects that Grice just said. Um, the one thing is, like, the transfer portal does help teams make a quick jump. Like, Michigan State has done that. They were one of the biggest ones at getting transfers in, and it made a huge difference. I even coached the player that they, you know, and I asked them, I said, what made you want to go there? They, they just – they really had a vision, told the kids the vision, let's get after it, and they got, like, probably 20 guys in in the transfer portal. That's a lot. Um yeah. The bonus year is kind of similar. You know how, like, Virginian basketball, like, every three to four years, they're, like, unbelievable. They're great on defense. They have a, a bunch of seniors. A lot of guys that are not quite good enough to go to the NBA after the first year, but that senior year class where they're all together and they're they're tough to beat. That's what you're seeing some of these teams, like the NC States, like Grice said, where the fifth-year seniors, they're really contributing to these teams and, like, you know, Alabama's really good, but people are catching up this year because of the um, extra year that these seniors have because now the good teams are starting to become a lot better and they can become great teams and compete at the highest level. I think NC State can win the um, ACC. I really do. I've seen a story. I'm not sure if it was Michigan State. It could have been Illinois. Uh, there was already a six-year senior who had received a medical exemption, a medical red shirt and took the super senior and he's in his seventh year. I think he said he's 28 years old and he's like a man out there on the offensive line. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Bills and everything. He was yeah. enjoying it. You know, he was. All right, guys, uh, coach Griner, you're up on this one. Uh, you're next year on coach versus coach. What's wrong with the Clemson Tigers this season? Well, it's pretty simple. The quarterback play <laughs> quarterback, quarterback play. You go from Trevor Lawrence, who was dominant as a freshman, went, won a national championship. And then he played, what, three more years or two more years after that. And you go into a guy that you thought was going to be the guy, but he's not quite nearly as good as we think he is. Now, the other thing is, I think that, you know, I'm going to get myself in trouble here a little bit. I mean, the Clemson staff is always really good. Dabo brings a lot of guys in he likes to enjoy and working with. The offensive line coach, I'll never forget this, Jupiter Wilson was coached by their offensive line coach. And he was also coached by two other coaches. And I said, hey, how was he as a coach? He's like, he definitely wasn't the best out of the three. And I was like, really? He's like, he's just a good guy, but they're not great. At, he's not great at teaching the details like some of these other guys are. You're seeing a combination of offensive line play not be successful like they've been, okay, because maybe their talents maybe not quite as good, but you got to be well coached. The NC State's of the world – you know what I'm saying? Their O-line is really, really coached, like big time. And uh, I think you're starting to see that difference on top of the quarterback play. That's why Clemson's not that good right now. They're still a good team. They're just not going to compete for a national championship this year. 
Yeah, and I think I think Griner's got it close. I mean, he's got that the base level, but it's a step further. I mean, I think you know you look at it from a, an entire you know picture here. I mean, you got a situation where you know you've had some coaches that are used to having talent in certain situations. They've always been able to answer the question of who can we turn to when we need to make a big play. Travis Etienne's gone. Trevor Lawrence is gone. So now you have guys, and again, we know Will Shipley is going to be a fantastic college player as long as he stays healthy. He clearly has shown as a true freshman getting 80-plus yards and a touchdown in a college game. That guy is set up for some big things. But being a freshman, he is not a guy that you can turn to in a big game to say, I need you to get the ball 20, 25 times, and I need you to get 200, 250 total yards of offense like Travis Etienne. So I think you're seeing with offensive coordinator Tony Elliott, he now has to be called on to really find a way to re-engineer this offense to get the ball to guys that can make plays. Justin Ross is their best player on offense. How many touches is he getting? And a lot of times you're seeing the same things. Again, this isn't a different game plan than what, you know, what they beat Ohio State and Alabama with, throwing a whole bunch of, you know, 50-50 balls that they will always use to win and running the ball with Etienne as he made plays to score. It's not changing. It's the players that are changing. And when it's not successful, now who are you going to turn to? And they haven't answered that question yet. He uh, Now remember this. If Will Shipley ever comes back, he probably, like, doesn't even think about our show now compared to when he was in high school. But – Grice said that. Griner did not say that. Let's just get that straight, Will. Oh, he's, I mean, it's fine. Like, he's going to be there, but right now, as a freshman, he's not. Oh, you, don't, you, you don't think I can get 25 carries? Like, oh, that dude, I'm telling you, that boy's yeah, I'm sure. I love it. Like, hey, I'll pray he does. Prayers up. I hope he's, you know, healthy. I hadn't checked his status. Did he, did he hurt it? Hurt he hurt his leg. I didn't, I didn't yeah, see it. Yeah. Have they, have they come out and said what he had? Or I haven't. I haven't. I got I think, I think you're on mute. All right. Well, I definitely, I definitely won that debate. Wow, get out of here! You were first level. You didn't, you didn't get to the second level. <laughs> I just laid hey, girl, the you, you down. It was like I laid the foundation down. You're just coming over there and putting little statues up on. Yeah, I, that's like, hey, you can lay the foundation. When I put it up, everybody's looking at the big house. They're not looking hey. at you pouring the concrete. Nobody Go cares about the concrete. Yep. Who's looking to say, yep. wow, grinder pulled that concrete? Great job, grinder. Yep. Built hey, guys, thanks for letting me know that I'm on mute, by the way. And, yeah, I do think he was hurt. He didn't look good coming off the sidelines last yeah. week and that, that one in that up, clip that I saw. Uh, but, Coach Grice, you're the offensive guy. We're going to go to you again uh, for this question right here. Uh, just one personnel group, 10 personnel, 11, 12, 22 personnel. Uh, first number's running back, second number's your tight ends. Uh, tell me which group you go with. Yeah, and I mean, I think, you know, for me growing as an offensive guy, early on I would have said 10 personnel, this and that. For me now, it is clearly 11. Um, you know, again, that's, you know, running back and, and a tight end. I think it's, you know, for one, it's the type of kids you get in high school now. You know, you get that one guy that, you know, has better hands than your left tackle, but isn't as quite as big as, as a guy that can play on the line and is a little bit faster than those guys. And that guy's that perfect guy for that versatility. I mean, he's a guy that, you know, you can put in an H-back situation behind the offensive line you know, go out on a pass play. I mean, you, if you watch our offense uh, at Mallard Creek, we have a guy, Jordan Collins, that's a junior that can do it all. I mean, he, you know, had a game against Providence. He had seven catches for us. Also, as a guy in the box that, you know, goes in and blocks the defensive end. I mean, you know, that versatility or having that guy, I mean, he's not even that big. I mean, he's probably 180 pounds or so, you know, 5'9", 5'10". 
back in the day, that kid would have just played linebacker and never touched the offensive side of the ball. But because a lot of teams are able to utilize its 11 personnel packages and have a guy that can go out and catch a ball, but stay in and block or stay in and create a max protection situation where you actually have seven guys protecting your quarterback, that versatility is something that helps bridge that gap between throwing the ball and running the ball. And that's something I'll always use from here on out. All right, you're going to be blown away for what I say. Oh <laughs> well, no, I'm not. Seven touchdowns. Um, yeah, I mean, the thing is this. I'm, I'm going 10 personnel right now just because of the time. You have to be able to adjust to what we're doing these days. Now, if I had a stud tight end that was unreal, last year I put an extra lineman in and just said he was a tight end even though he, he couldn't run out for routes. He had a lineman number. That's what I'm saying. People respect that. You have to respect that. You know, people are like they they freak out. People guard them anyways. You know, but um, yeah, they're tight end. You know, locked in on them. Um, the thing is, ten personnel. The way I do it, all right. We have an L and a R, okay, and L and R's are slot receivers. Well, they're technically like running backs. We can hand the ball off to them on jets. We can run buck sweep. We have it in the package. We're trying to bring those out a little bit later on. You know what I'm saying? But we technically or in like a 30 personnel. You see what I'm saying? It's kind of it's kind of funky, but they can spread out. We can use them in uh bid blocks with in the belly concept. So I have a lot of options. And plus I got four to five receivers that are legit. I got four or five guys that are really good. I want the best eleven on the field. If my best eleven on the field were twelve personnel and I had two tight ends, guess what? If I had a Joe type team at South Meg, We'd be 12 personnel or 22 personnel, you know. So it's all based upon a coach cannot just say, I'm a 10 personnel guy, I'm an 11 personnel guy. He has to be able to say, this is my best 11 people. This is how we're going to judge. You can still keep your same offense and move on. I agree 100%. Chris, talk, talk about it. Chris, phone home, Chris. Hey, what do you think about my 32 grouping? Everybody, everybody, when we all played as kids, everybody's running wishbone. It was, it yeah, was, I was gonna ask Chris and your 32 group, and do they wear leather helmets? We won back to back conference championships in 4A in 2001 running that. I was 15. <laughs> I was 15. Grice, I didn't know you were like 45 years old. I, I am I'm 35. I was 15. I am, shocked, out of here. I am shocked that Sam even knows what a, a no tight end formation looks oh, like. Hold on. We, Lance, we tell, him, I, tell him how many touchdowns. Josh Mott the seven. 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 Sam didn't call a single play. Sam didn't call a single play. Coach, you got to give him credit. If oh, walk, walk, around like, got on. walk around like Chucky with the headset on. He's not calling nothing. Nobody got Pete Carroll for, for throwing the ball and not giving it to Marshawn Lynch. We got to give credit to the head coach. Seven. I'm going to take you. No, he, he's already won more games this year than they did last year, so you got to give him credit for that. Oh, I mean, they're, they're, they're good, good, man. Like, he beat the heck out of West Mac, man. Goodness. He beat him like they stole something. Yeah. All right, Samuel, it's time for you to hit the one shot. Big star, what you got to say? Um, Thanks for my lights. <laughs> they're like, I'm blinded. So when I hit it, <laughs> Um, just appreciate it, Langston and Shaw Observer. Thanks for sending me some lights. I probably need a new camera, though, so if we're getting things rolling, um, Logitech, you know, get me a nice updated one. That'd be fantastic. We keep thinking it's the lighting that's blurry. It's, it's need a new camera, baby, and then we're locked and loaded. All right. 
Sam, is Sam, who just got equipment today, is begging for more equipment. That's I, hey, man, this is that's hey, this, this, is, this is the type of life I love. My wife's like, man, you got a package. I was like, yeah, it's my lights. Can you uh, can you go set those up for me, real quick? <laughs> oh, y'all remember last year when Sam got talked about his wife, and I called him. I said, Sam, what you sleep last night? Couch. All right, fellas. Well, we almost made it. 93 minutes. I'm, I'm getting close to oh sun drop. Gotta give me some sun drop, uh, guru. Yes, sir. I got me some today. Hey, I'm gonna tell you what. If uh if Max, Max, the um is it a, I forget if it's a restaurant, bar, or whatever, they contacted us say, Hey man, we're thinking about maybe um, you know, donating. We want to see someone have a different type of helmet. Like colleges do. I was like, that's like for us for a forty-five man roster. That's that's like nine G's. I was like, you do that, I, I'll I'll have tattoos everywhere, <laughs> or whatever it takes. You put it on the screen, right? Yeah, right. <laughs> All right, y'all. This has been a fun show. We're gonna do it again next week. Tomorrow we'll be on Talker Preps Overtime at eight o'clock. Uh, so you guys tune in for that, and then we'll be back next week. Uh, it's 7.30. We're going to cut down Mr. Football when Grice and, and Guru get ready from 16 to 12. I'm not sure when. But it uh, should be a fun fun uh, week. Everybody, good luck this week, Sam. Keep your winning streak going. So you can stay in the poll. You know at number 10, if you lose, you drop out. Yeah. Okay. Uh, yeah, I mean, we play, we're going against Bird, who's a really good coach. But, you know, I think we I think we have a better team this year. I mean, I expect to win the game. You expect to win every game you play. But, um, you know, we'll see what we can do. I also thought we could – I honestly thought we could beat Mallet Creek and we lost that game. So uh yeah, can go that way. You yeah, know, are you up on the sideline? Take what from who? Take what from who, Brian. I had to yeah, let them know. Like, I want the belt. And, uh, hey, hey, we get rid of those two block punts, they on we might be talking different because if the game what? I'm gonna tell no, you what. Okay, so that's like saying get rid of 15 minutes of your life. Right, yeah. right. You guys are seeing what happens like when we're not live. Before we got here, uh, Alex, did you see what Dale has in the background? I did, and I am just humbled and honored and grateful that, as, as we all do, and we all have a good time with each other, and I am uh, just moved beyond words that uh, that, that, that Dale uh, celebrated a milestone today. Uh, that is Youngsville Academy, where I am the academic dean and athletic director. And I was a little late coming to the show tonight because Youngsville Academy's cross country team, which is our first ever interscholastic team at the school, had its first competition this evening. So I was handling my athletic director duties. And I am just so, so, I mean, it's beyond words. I'm so. Have y'all ever seen Alex Miles? Yeah, I'm not <laughs> a student athlete. That's a good looking gold. I like that. Yeah, I'm yeah. just cheesing. Cowboy. <laughs> 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 <laughs